what does mental illness actually feel like? You know, you can see people suffering and you can read reports about it, but it's very hard to get a real sense of what that actually feels like. In this podcast, I'm going to share to you my real experience of a recent manic episode, and I'm going to give you a recording that I took during the event, as well as one that sort of deconstructs it after the event, to give you an insight into mania, as well as to hopefully help break the stigma of mental illness. Coupled to that, I'm also going to share a chapter of my book, How to Get Shit Together, called Learning to Say No. And the reason for this chapter is that it's basically something that I have to do as a way to balance my mental health. If I don't say no, I'll say yes too often, and then I'll be put myself in a worse situation. So the timestamps are down below. Feel free to skip ahead or listen through. Enjoy. What does mental illness feel like? This is one of those questions that are quite hard to answer because when you're suffering from a mental illness, when you're in the battleground of a mental affliction, be it anxiety, depression, mania, anything like that, you are obviously affected by it. So your ability to explain what's happening is itself limited. The analogy I like to use is when someone's drunk. When someone's drunk, they can't say how drunk they are because the thing that's judging their drunkness is itself drunk. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that I want to figure out a way to best express to you, to the world, what mental illness feels like as it's happening, right? When you're in a bad mental state, what does that actually feel like? How does it actually manifest? And there's a couple of reasons. The main one is, is that I believe that only by actually expressing ourselves and sharing what's really happening can we have any hope to reduce the stigma and to find the help that we actually need. If I share with you what actually happens in my mind when I'm struggling, I'm best able to express to you the realities of mental illness as opposed to sort of as a way to break through the cliche of what of what could be seen as happening. You know, like it's very easy to talk about depression, for example, but you can't really quite get close to it unless you've felt it. But if you've not felt it and you want to understand, how can you understand? So my way around this is sharing what it feels like in the moment and then after the fact. So that's what this podcast is about. What I'm going to play for you shortly is a recording of myself taken during a bout of mania, or more likely at the end of it, in the sense that I recorded this as I realized that it was happening. Now, you'll note that my affect, how I'm talking, is very low and is, is very flat, which might seem opposite to what a manic episode will sound like. But like I said, it's it's hard for me and hard for anyone to realize when they're in the middle of it. And the reason the reason for this is obviously, you know, like once you once you realize what's up, you can start taking action. But it took me quite a while to realize why, what was happening and those sort of things. So the recording that follows is me at the end of a manic phase. And during this phase, my brain was going a million miles a minute. And it's, you'll hear it in my voice that I'm, and, and the rambling nature of the conversation that it's hard for me to stay on topic. It's hard for me to, to maintain what I'm trying to say because my brain's just bouncing around between it. Just to give you some context, 
this the recording took place at 1:30 a.m. on a Saturday night. Now prior to that I'd been over the week preceding that I'd been getting more and more and more manic as in doing more and more stuff feeling like I had endless energy and just 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 feeling quite manic just just going quite nuts with it and my partner even said to me like hey are you, are you all right and in the moment I'm like yeah of course I'm fine because I felt fine but it turns out I wasn't and I've learned a lot from this the first one is is when you have people in place that are there to help check on you and check you up and all that sort of stuff listen and learn from them and the second one is is to realize that when you're on a high no matter how good that feels no matter how much you're going along you will probably fall back down in which case you need to make sure that you've planned for that so that's sort of the 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 context of this now it's maybe one week it's exactly one week later as i record this and i'm still suffering from the aftermath of this i i'm struggling to feel safe leaving the house to connect with people in depth to do a bunch of stuff i am still training but i'm not quite 100% comfortable i am definitely improving and i just want to clarify i'm not sharing this with you to garner any sort of sympathy or need any sort of support i appreciate it and for those that do know me and that have responded to my youtube videos and all of that sort of stuff thank you i am fine but i'm not asking for any support like i've said i want to reiterate this I share this with you because I want to give a real look at the impact of mental illness, both as it's happening and then after the fact as an analysis of to help reduce stigma. So I am fine, and I just want to let you know I will reach out if I am not fine. So you can you know be be assured of that. So with that in mind, I'm going to play this this recording for you. It does go for about ten minutes. So if you hear a bit of it and you want to skip, feel free to do so. If you want to skip to the book chapter that I'm going to put as a part of this podcast feel free to do so. And the hyperlinks, not hyperlinks, the, the timestamps are down the bottom. So you can just jump ahead. It is it is a bit rambling and all that sort of stuff. So that's your pre-warning. It might not be the most entertaining thing to listen to, but it's more to give you a real world look. So feel free to skip it, obviously. I've noticed over the past few days that I've become quite manic with the amount of workload I'm doing and the I don't know I get on this sort of roll and it it goes okay for a while but then it gets too much and my brain jumps around and you know me sharing the story of how I'm feeling about this as I'm feeling it obviously is hard so because I can't really quite articulate what I'm feeling so I can try to explain it and I'm bouncing around because you know the thing that I'm doing the thing that I'm trying to explain is itself impacting me now and that's the inability to talk so I will do a I suppose summary of this feeling that I'm feeling right now after the fact when I'm not feeling like this so I can sort of explain myself a bit better and I'll probably do that before this podcast so I can sort of lead into the rambling mess that you're hearing right now but I guess that's part of what's happening <laughs> I've to just today, I, I sort of came to the realization that I've been pushing the the concept of lucidity in my book. I really want to get it done and down pat and all of this sort of stuff, but it's plugging in my charger. And 
I am struggling to struggling to find I don't even know it it's when I started doing a fiction book I was I did it because I thought I couldn't do it I'm not even making any sense <laughs> This whole thing that's happening to my brain right now is something that I've faced on and off for years that I'll get to this state of mania and it's not obviously external mania. I mean, not right now, obviously I'm just sitting here talking, but you know, today I bounced around between a whole bunch of stuff. I got shitloads done, started new things so much. You know, I really get inebriated and the more that I, the more down the path that I do, I sort of do get inebriated. So I have done that, <sighs> which impacts my brain, obviously. And it's, there's a lot of warning signs. I mean, no particular cause in general, uh, other than what I can point to a few things. We just got a coffee machine in the house and I know, I, I fucking know that having coffee messes with my brain and for some reason I have this weird magical thinking like like it's it's gonna be fine this time and I'm only talking about coffee but I've had the same problem with weed and alcohol and a whole bunch of stuff but I just sort of let it take over and believe oh it'll be different this time it'll be different this time why will it be fucking different this time I I've been having a lot more coffee than I usually do, and I've been staying up a lot later, and it's been impacting my wake-up time, it's been impacting my mood, and impacting my ability to have discipline, and a whole bunch of stuff, and I can put it off, it's like, oh, I'm being creative, I'm doing this, it's all fucking excuses for not being disciplined, it's all excuses for not doing, you know, not doing the thing, I, uh, I just, I don't know, I, I'm rambling. Once again, I just can't back to back to the fact like, you know, I'll obviously do the pre-warning that this is just a fucking rambling mess and the anxiety in me now is going, well, why would anyone want to listen to this? And I suppose I have to just paraphrase it and say, hey, this is the reality. This is how I'm really, this is what, this is what it is like to be here. I reminds me of I've I've got a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, and and mania is a, one of the categories of that, you know and you know I'm I'm obviously treated I'm a part of many BPD groups and I look at my symptomology and how it expresses itself compared to. The members in the group and I know I'm a lot less extreme and I, I'm very thankful for that but I know I also put in a fuckload of effort to always be on on the um on the mend from it and managing it and then you know little things fall off the rails and I just have this overwhelming feeling that everything's gonna fall off and it's funny I, I said to my wife like hey like I'm I'm I don't know I'm a bit worried about myself and she obviously recognized that, but she's sort of, I don't know, semi-used to me saying that I'm a bit worried and, I don't know, basically help, 
help in a sense of, I literally said, hey, tomorrow, today, it's today. Stop me from doing stuff. Stop me from being manic. Just help me to be calm and present in the moment. Remind me not to have the coffee. Remind me to heal and rest and that that's okay. It's just, yeah. I, I, I've got nothing else to say. I, <laughs> I don't know. My. Anyway, I won't be doing many episodes like this. I just need to show and talk and express the real reality of what it's like to be suffering because you know like you might think you're alone you might think it's okay there are there are people out there that care there are people out there that are going through it and and you know like gets better you just got to work on it, right? It's, 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 it's an attempt to try and remember everything that I've done and that I'm doing when I'm in a stressed mindset, that it will translate and that I will get better. That I've been here before, that I've beaten it before. It's very easy to think that when you're in a bad way that everything's bad. Well, it'll always be bad. But I know it won't. So I know it hasn't been. It's funny, I, I, I often look back at some of the stuff I do and sort of take my own advice because when I'm in a bad mental state, it's hard for me to trust myself. The real battle is recognizing when I'm in a bad mental state and taking the actions against it. <sighs> I'm just gonna. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I. I share this with you not to gain sympathy, not to. not to elicit any sort of response, not to anything like that. I share it with you. I don't, I don't need, I'm, I'm fine is what I'm trying to say. Like I'm not at risk. Okay. So now onto the chapter of how to get your shit together called learn how to say no. If you were like me and you go through intermittent phases of mental illness, you need to learn how to say no to people. Why? Because if you don't, your mental health will get worse. Similarly, it can be very tempting to say yes to everyone because, you know, low self-esteem or because people are asking or anything like that. You might feel selfish saying no. I'm here to say that it's not because unless you're in a good mental state, unless you're saying yes to the things that you want to say, you're not going to be in a good mental state. So you're not going to be there for other people. If you are being pulled in many directions, if you're being pushed to do things you're not 100% comfortable with, and if you can't say no to those things, you won't be there for the people 
when and where they need it. So I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest that you learn the skill of how to say no. And this chapter is the first step towards it. If you'd like to read this chapter, I'll put a link down below so you can read a copy of it. And like everything I'm doing, this chapter and the book, How to Get Your Shit Together and Everything, is up and available for free over time. Now, the best way to stay informed when these chapters are going to be out is via signing up to my email list. I'll put a link down in the show notes for that one. But also, it's a great way to support the podcast. If you want to own the book, if you want to get it all right now, you can do so. And I'll put a link down below where you can grab yourself a copy. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. But like I said, everything I'm doing will be up and out for free because I believe that information like this should be free. So check it out. Enjoy. Chapter 3.3. Learn how to say no. When you say yes to others, make sure you're not saying no to yourself. Paulo Coelho. Trauma causes psychological hang-ups that need to be worked through. Certain situations may be triggering. Specific requests can cause tremendous levels of stress. There may be unexplainable difficulties in performing some basic tasks that other people have no problem with. These circumstances can occur at any time, so it's vital that we develop the tools to handle them properly. Over time, and with therapy, counselling, meditation and self-reflection, many of these hang-ups can and should be addressed. But in the moment, when you need to stay functional, or when you are struggling to simply cope, saying no to a request is a must-have skill. By saying no to some things, you are free to say yes to others. One of the more challenging aspects of my past was the neglect. Unlike other forms of abuse, the emotional and physical neglect constitute a lack of something. It involves not being cared for, spoken to, engaged with, or acknowledged for extended periods of time. Neglect left me with deficiencies in attention and love. I was always striving for some kind of acknowledgement. So when others, particularly adults, requested something from me, I was very willing to comply as it meant that I would receive the praise and attention that I so desired. Unfortunately, those desires often outweighed my feelings about the requests themselves. This resulted in me saying yes to things that I didn't actually like, didn't really want to do, to even agreeing to do things that I didn't know how to do. Unsurprisingly, this all led to increased levels of mental affliction. Fast forward to today, and I'm still struggling with this issue. Developing those traits of self-confidence, self-determination, and self-efficacy is something that I've only recently started to grasp. When something is requested of me, I still feel an obligation and a desire to say yes, even when it's in no one's best interest for me to do so. I found myself doing things that I don't enjoy for people that I don't really like, based off my inability to first recognise what I truly want, and then to have the courage to state it. I know now that it's okay to say no to anything that I don't want to do. It's important to realise that people will ask, or even demand, a variety of things from you each day. Most people act in their own best interests, and while some will care enough to take your desires into account, they cannot read your mind. So when a request is made of you that you are not comfortable with, it's vital that you learn to say no. This applies in all areas of life, from family to friendships and into the workplace. Saying no is a double-edged sword. It will help bring you closer to your true nature. 
You'll find people who you really appreciate and the activities that you truly enjoy performing. However, it will also drive some people away and potentially cause significant life changes. Once you start saying no, you're taking a step towards a life that is closer to the one you'll be happier with. In this new life, some of the people you currently surround yourself simply won't fit. This isn't because they're inherently bad, immoral, or unlikable. Rather, it's because their interests no longer align with your new interests. Forcing a relationship between two incompatible parties always leads to dissatisfaction. It is okay for relationships to grow stronger or weaker over time. As people change, their relationships should as well. The flip side to this is that new people will enter your life, enabling you to create deep relationships that wouldn't be possible if you continued to say yes when you really should have said no. Saying no has been one of the more freeing things in my adulthood. It's caused me to change careers, meet new people, and start new hobbies. It has cleared up a bunch of time, and more importantly, mental space, which I can now dedicate towards the projects that I truly value like writing this book, for example. I realised that I was holding on to old friendships in which neither party was truly happy. We were simply no longer compatible. Catching up with these people inevitably resulted in me doing the activities of my past, things that I no longer enjoyed and no longer wanted to do anymore. Yet out of obligation and an inability to say no, I would do them, only to quickly regret my choices and berate myself for my weaknesses. Over time, I chose to let these relationships go. I realised that sacrificing myself to maintain a friendship simply isn't worth it. Putting on an act to enjoy somebody's company is not sustainable in the long run. It's better to say no, suggest a more desirable alternative, and keep the friends who agree with who you truly are, as opposed to the act. The more you act like yourself, the more you'll make new friends, ones who have values, interests, and desires that are closely aligned with your own. No is a complete sentence. Annie Lamott How to say no Technically, you shouldn't need to justify why you're saying no. No should be enough. If you overtly express your desire, if you vocalise no and are still being pushed, it is time to leave the situation and seriously reconsider your relationship with that person. No, I don't want to do that. In reality, such a direct approach to saying no will certainly work, but it is very confrontational. Some extreme situations certainly warrant that approach, but in general, I prefer to be a bit more tactful with my no. I'll often give a few more reasons for why I'm choosing to decline an offer, as I've found that if I explain why, people are very understanding. My level of explanation will of course vary given the context, people involved, and my mental state. In the following examples, I go into a lot of depth. However, in practice, I'll specifically choose what to say based on the above-mentioned factors. Sorry, I can't come out drinking. Although it's enjoyable at the time, I regret it in the morning. I get hungover and my mental health is significantly impacted. I'm just not that into it anymore. I know I used to go hard, but that's just not me anymore. I think I'll skip dessert today. Do you know how long I would have to be in the gym to work that off? It just doesn't fit my diet, unfortunately. I know just one piece wouldn't kill me, but it would make me crave sugar for the next week, and that's something that I'd much prefer to avoid. No thanks, I really don't want to go out to that restaurant. 
I always have an upset stomach after that kind of food. I'd much prefer to go to this other kind of restaurant. I know a great one we could try. Sorry, I just can't help you on such short notice. I've already made plans that I can't easily change. If you still need me, perhaps I could help you next Thursday? Sorry, I can't lend that to you. I know that it will only be for a short while, but unfortunately I need to use it for myself. Saying no in the workplace. The workplace relationship is unique as you are required to perform particular tasks in exchange for money. This can cause the worker to feel pressured into performing things that they may not have otherwise been comfortable performing. Some jobs are better than others, of course, and if you are not happy where you're currently working, take action to either improve the workplace or to find a new one. Your situation will not change on its own accord. I've said no to working in organisations that I was not comfortable with. Sometimes this was due to bad managers, other times terrible conditions, or even due to the nature of work itself. At the time, I did suffer from a deficiency of money and an amount of uncertainty, but it led me towards better places in the end. The sooner I made the choice to quit, the better for my mental health. However, it is vital to learn to say no, even if you're in a good workplace. If your boss gives you a position that you're not ready for, your stress levels will rise and your job satisfaction will decrease. What's more, you may end up performing poorly. Most bosses want people performing at their strengths. If you're great at customer service, but terrible at numbers, the tasks that you should perform are obviously not in the financial department. If you said yes to that position, you'd be doing a disservice to both yourself and to the workplace. A far better approach would be to decline the offer and suggest somebody more in line with the requirements needed. While this may seem counterintuitive from a career perspective, it makes long-term sense. You are acknowledging your strengths and weaknesses, while suggesting someone else that could perform far better than you in the new position. This shows extreme loyalty to the company, as well as a long-term outlook. You are choosing what is best for all involved, rather than risking your own poor performance. Be assured that the next time a position arises that you are more suited for, it will likely come your way. Take action. Say no to a request at least once this week. Practicing saying no is a skill that you need to work on and develop over time. Start small and work your way up to the bigger things. Say no again next week, the week after, and the week after that. Observe your mental state and the impact that saying no is having on your life. Are you liking the results? Realizations gained from saying no. The more that I say no, the more the following things become clear to me. 1. If I say no, and people don't like me because of it, they may be using me, or are else not in sync with who I really am anyway. 2. Friendships are about more than just doing things for each other. They're about shared experiences, trust, and connection. 3. If I agree to do too much for other people, I run the risk of burning out and will have little time or energy left over for me. 4. If I only say yes to the things that I value, I'll be excited by them, and will do a better job completing them. 5. If I honestly explain why I'm saying no to a request, then people will either accept me and understand, or they won't. This gives me insights to the possible future of our relationships. Frequently Asked Questions What is the line between saying no and living with other people in harmony? Isn't life about compromise? The line is where you set it. You are right. 
there is a lot of compromise that needs to be made to maintain relationships. By saying no, I'm not saying to say no to everything, just to say no to some things. If you say no when it counts, to things that matter, then you'll be ensuring that your life is heading in the direction that you want it to be. If the decision really doesn't matter other than personal preferences, then yes, you should compromise. But if it goes against a core value, say no. What other option do you really have? Summary. Say no to requests that don't align with your goals and values. This will free up your time and energy to focus on what matters most to you. So thanks for listening, guys. And if you like that chapter and want to own a copy of the book, How to Get Your Shit Together, it's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audio book. And I'll chuck a link down below so you can grab yourself a copy if you would like. I would love, love, love for you guys to give me a review for this podcast. Just click that link wherever you're listening to this, chuck a review up, and just let me know what you think. And if you'd like to make contact with me, I can be found everywhere on social at Zach P. Phillips and on my website, www.zachary-phillips.com. And like I said, I love to make contact. I love to know what you guys are feeling. So if there's anything you want to tell me or you connect or questions or anything like that, please do so. Please make contact with me via my social or on my website or anything like that. I'm always happy to chat about anything to do with mental illness, motivation, self-discovery, all that stuff. Have a good one.